This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Praise the Lord, or it is, that's the uh, translation into the English language. But interestingly enough, we usually just say the word hallelujah. And the reason we say the word hallelujah is because I don't know if you know this or not, but there are about somewhere in the neighborhood of 6,000 to 6,500 languages in the world today, and we have translated the Bible into about half of them, maybe a little bit more now. The goal was to uh, translate the Bible into all languages by 2025. Um, I'm not sure that uh, we're on a glide path to to be able to do that. The, the likelihood is, is that it'll probably be closer to 2030 before all the languages in the world have a Bible translation. But... <clears throat> The weird thing is, I guess it's not weird, it's just unique. The unique thing is the only word that is common to all the languages, all the languages of the world, is the word hallelujah. It is, it is when we translate the Bible into uh, the 3,000 languages that we've already translated it into, the word hallelujah is uh, universal. It is a word that is is known in all those languages, and it means praise the Lord. You say, what about Jesus? Interestingly enough, Jesus Jesus is an English transliteration of Yahshua or Joshua, which is uh, the word for in the Hebrew is Joshua. And uh, Yahshua is the, is the Greek version or really the, uh, a transitional version of that word as you move on toward the uh the, the millennia that Jesus uh, began. And as we as we study the Bible, praise the Lord is, or hallelujah is a word that is is known by everybody. And it means, it, it literally means to praise, to praise Jehovah. And uh, we know that, we know that is Jesus. Jehovah is Jesus. And, uh, and we know that, that to praise the Lord or Jesus being our Lord, uh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that's, a, that's who we're praising this morning. Interestingly enough, also, as far as Bible scholars are concerned, Psalm 147, I'm sorry, 148. Psalm 148 is a is a is a psalm is the high psalm it's the high point in the book of psalms it's considered the the greatest psalm in the bible as far as as far as a historical tradition is concerned it's the peak of the bible of the psalms as we work through the book of psalms the the psalm 148 is considered the, the top of the line and I don't know why I said 147 I guess I had some soap in my eyes when I did that. Anyway, it is a great song. And so he says, praise the Lord. <clears throat> Notice he's going he's gonna to go through praising God. Praise uh, the Lord from the heavens. Now he starts where God the Father exists. Praise the Lord from the heavens, where Jesus sits at his right hand even right now. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Uh, praise the Lord from the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Notice, notice. There's, there's, there, there is a beginning of the sovereignty and the power of God over all things. And you know, 
There's a reason why we talk about the sovereignty of God more over and over and over and over again. And the reason we do is, is because when you start there, if you start with, with God properly positioned, everything seems to work out better. When you place God uh, in his rightful position on the throne, when you place him in his rightful place uh, above the heavens, when you place him in the rightful position as King of kings and Lord of lords of your life, everything tends to flow better from that understanding. Everything tends to work out better from that place. And rightfully positioning God, rightfully positioning Jesus in the proper place is the way we should start each day. So he says, praise him from the heaven, praise him from the heights. He says, praise him as angels, praise him as hosts. Notice that he's affirming that the heavenly host and, and the angelic uh, uh, beings of heaven are all in the, in, in the act of praising him each and every day. He says, praise him, <clears throat> all your stars and light. Now we're getting into the actual universe. He says, uh, praise him, all you stars and light. Praise him, sun and moon. He says, praise him, you heavens of heavens. Notice, he says that all the all the stars and, and, and the sky, the sun and moon, and we know from uh, last song that he, he not only knows all the stars in the sky, he's got a name for them all. And th remember, we're orienting ourselves properly with God, and orienting ourselves properly with God is very important. How do I know that? The way I know that also, the way it's confirmed to me also, is when Jesus was asked, how should we pray? He, remember, he, he didn't say, he didn't say this is what you should pray. He said, "This is how you should pray," which means I'm giving you a, I'm giving you a, a primer, a, an outline, a, a, a word of instruction. I'm showing you exactly how we're gonna, how, how, to, how to get this done, how this ought to be done in the right way. And so, when he does this primer, he does this outline. He says, "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name." Notice in the Lord's Prayer, which is actually the disciples' prayer because it's Jesus teaching the disciples. The Lord's Prayer is the prayer right before he was arrested, but the disciples' prayer is the prayer where he teaches us how to pray. And where does he start out with? He starts out orienting God in the proper position. Our Father who art in heaven. Notice, God's in the right place. And when God's in the right place in our lives, there's just really not anything bad about it. And when we understand but all of the universe was created by him, not just the earth, not just where we live, not just our place. But when we properly orient God and understand that all that we look up and see at night, I have, I know I've mentioned this probably before to y'all, but where I sleep, where my bed is right next to a window and it's a big window and it looks out over the lake and I can lay in bed at night and not last night because it was cloudy at strangely. It's not cloudy this morning, it wasn't cloudy yesterday afternoon, but it was cloudy last night. But I can look out and see the stars of heaven, and uh, they're glorious. And to know that those stars who are, are millions of light years away were created by my heavenly Father, it helps me know that if, if he created those things and yet is intimate with me, there's really nothing to worry about, and there's nothing to place concern in. And you know what? There's nothing to walk in condemnation about. And that's another thing that's very important for life. And I've realized that even more over the last couple of days in dealing with some people that I realized were Christians, strong Christians, walking with God, chasing after God. And you know what? Uh, a lot of times we allow the enemy to lie to us and tell us what we're not rather than what we are. And uh, what we are is we're children of the God who created everything. And he deserves to be praised. And he deserves to be praised, and 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 its value 
to him is very important because he wants to be intimate with us. He wants to walk with us. But you know what? Praising God in his proper location is great value to you. It is ultimate value to you. You know why? Because you tend not to walk in condemnation when you realize the God that is your God and the friend that he is and the atoning sacrifice that he made and the finished work that Jesus Christ did on the the cross and, and the power that he unleashed in your life the power that he unleashed in your life when he uh, when he walked out of the grave. When we think about those things, when we ponder those things, and when we start our day focused on those things, when our lives is oriented in that proper direction, when, when we do that, then we don't walk in condemnation. We don't walk in fear, and we don't walk in doubt. When you don't orient yourself in your life in that way, and you and remember that's a constant thing because we we live in this physical fleshly world when we fail to orient our lives properly understanding where god's position is just like in the uh, disciples prayer father who art in heaven just like in this prayer where he says praise the lord in the heavens praise him in the heights praise him all his angels praise him all his hosts praise him the sun and moon praise him all the stars and light praise him you heavens of heavens and your waters above the heavens when we don't when we don't orient God in the proper position that he's in we open up the door for ourselves to begin to think worldly and not think godly and we and then immediately you're going to eventually walk in condemnation fear and doubt because your mind naturally moves toward those things you're going to do it and you're going to condemn yourself for the things that you didn't accomplish or you perceived that you were supposed to accomplish. So many times in life, you we walk around thinking, you know, I wanted to do that or I, I thought that was going to happen for me and I, I just have been a failure. Is that true? That, was that God's plan or was that your plan? Was that God's way or was that your way? And I'm going to tell you, a strong likelihood is that most of the time that was your way and not God's way. That was your plan and not God's plan. And a proper orientation each and every day toward who God is and what he's doing, toward his finished work and his power in your life, a proper orientation toward those things usually excludes, usually excludes fear and doubt and shame and and self-condemnation. It usually it usually excludes those things. It drives them out. And so he says, let them praise uh, the name of the Lord. Notice we're not just praising his position and his rightful place, but we're praising his character. Let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. Um, he has that power. That is who he is. He says he also established them forever and ever. Notice he's an eternal. He, he's an everlasting God. He, he's a God in time that's everlasting and he's a God outside of time that's eternal. He says he, he also established forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Notice what God is truth and it, and it does not go away. And, and that's living in the promises of God. That's living in the promises of who he is. And, and that's recognizing him in his rightful position. When God says something, it does not pass. When God says something, it does not pass. What are the things that he said about his creation? What is the things he said about his son? What is the things he said in orientation of you toward those things? What has he said about his creation and where your place is in it? What has he said about his son and your place in your relationship with him? What what are the promises that he's made in those things? And understand mentally doing the exercise 
of placing God in the right position allows you to place yourself in the right position. And that right position is not necessarily that you're wonderful or anything, but that right position is a perfect understanding of why and how you are where you are with God. He says, praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures. Notice we're down to the we're down to where we're living. We're down on terra firma and, and the oceans. We're here on we're here, we're here on the on, on the crust or the this little small area that we live in. About two miles up, we can fly, and then we can go a couple of miles down into the ocean. This little four or five mil, uh, uh, mile little strip of the universe that we live in. He says, "Praise him, the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the depths." Then he goes on to verse eight, and he says, "Fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds fulfill his word." Notice he's in charge of the weather. Um, he handles the weather. And by the way, you need to understand that we live on a very unique place, a unique place set aside. If you read any kind of scientific magazines or any kind of scientific articles that come out, the scientist's main goal as far as beyond beyond this planet is to find a planet that can sustain life. Now, when you read those articles, you'll, the, the first thing you'll always read in the articles, planet found that has potential for life. And uh, what they'll say is, when you read the article is, we think there may be water. That's, 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 we do need water. We do. Not enough for life. Okay. That, that don't, that's just, that's not the one thing, the only thing we need. Or, or it'll say planet, uh, in a earth orbit around, uh, a sun that's similar in size. We do need that because if you're, if we were a thousand miles closer to the sun, and relatively speaking, that would be like you placing one foot in front of the other in the cosmos distancing. If we were 100, 100 miles closer to the sun, the earth would be too hot. And if we were 100 miles too far from the sun, the earth would be too cold. And in fact, we have two planets that, that bracket us in that we know that for, for, for fact. We know that Mars is just a little warm and it's a problem. It's a problem when they're thinking about setting up a colony there. It's an issue. The The other issue is there's not enough oxygen. And we need that. I don't know if you know that or not, but we need oxygen. And then Venus is just a little bit farther outside our orbit. It's too cold. It's way too cold. And if we were 100 miles farther from the sun, we would be in many ways too cold. We would be in ice ages all the time. And the likelihood of plants being able to grow to sustain life would be almost any nil. You need to understand that the area that you walk around and live in is a unique area, and it is uh, unique and very difficult to find anything that's even close to like it. And it's uniquely, wonderfully perfect for your life. It's it is set up just exactly what the way it needs to be to sustain wonderful life for you and your life. And understanding that God has uniquely prepared a place for us to live and to walk around and to praise him is in a unique place, not just in our, not just in our own solar system, but in the galaxy that we live in and in the universe that we live in. It's a very unique place and God made it for you. He made it for you and you understanding that. Orienting your mind toward what great a God we serve, orienting your mind toward that, understanding the, the, the wonder of who he is and where he's at, and the wonder of the place that he made for us to live in with weather. Verse 8 is talking about weather. A lot of planets, they have weather, 
and that weather would kill us. And some planets have no weather, like Mars, Mercury. It has no weather. It's so close to the sun that the cosmic winds from the sun, the radiation winds from the sun drive any atmosphere that it has to the backside of the planet. And so it has no atmosphere. And and Jupiter and Saturn, Jupiter and Saturn, all they are is atmosphere, giant atmospheres with no land. You live in a wonderful place, a wondrous place, almost an enclave of life. And God made it for you. And he made it so that the weather is sometimes tumultuous, but never, ever ends everything. And let me tell you something. He made your life so that it would be sometimes tumultuous, but nothing to destroy who you are and your walk with him and your relationship with him. He said, mountains and hills, fruitful trees and all the cedars. Oh, those are wonderful things to think about. God made for us, right? Beasts and all cattle creeping things, and flying fowl, king of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth. Now we're getting back, getting to the humans, both young men and maidens, old men and children. God made it all. Notice he oriented himself in the heavens. He oriented himself, the creator of the universe. He oriented himself now in intimately involved in sustaining and making the things that we live in, the place that we live, the unique place that we live, how much it costs and how much difficulty it is to send somebody even into orbit. And that's just a couple of dozen miles above us. Do you know how much how difficult it is to sustain life in the deepest parts of the ocean, to send someone down there? In fact, we really don't really have a good way to do that totally, not a safe way to do it. And yet within the five miles of the deep and the 20 miles up in the sky, within that, in a 25 mile area, really it's almost really, it's just a three or four mile area. We live and we survive and we flourish. We flourish here. And you go, we're not flourishing. Y yes, we are. Yes, we are. You realize in the times of Jesus that 99% of the population lived in poverty. 99% of the population of the world lived in poverty. Do you realize that less than 50% of the world lives in poverty today? It's almost like 30, uh, 25 or 30%. You do realize that we are flourishing on the earth. We are flourishing. And the reason we are is not because of man. The reason we are is because of God, because the principles uh, of truth and life and hope that are found in the New Testament have been applied to our societies and our governments. And we flourish because of that. And the more we reject them, the, the less we flourish. And the more we receive them, the more we have. That's just the truth. That's why this psalm is called the high point in the book of Psalms. It's the uh, pinnacle of the book of Psalms. Why? Because it orients human beings to what really is going on. It allows your mind to focus on what's really happening and what's really going on, not on the things of this world. And then it says here, let them praise the name of the Lord. Let who? The heavens, the universe, all the creatures of the earth, including man, all the older and the younger. Let us all praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His name alone is exalted. His name alone is great. He says, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and the heavens. It is. His name, his character is the one who 
made all these things and who he is the author of life. He says, verse 11, and I mean, uh, verse 14 and the last verse. And he has exalted the horn of his people. Notice, he has exalted the power. The word horn, always think of power. He, exists, he has exalted the power of his people. He has exalted the power of his people. How? The praise of all his saints, of the children of Israel, a people near him. The way he's exalted us is that we praise him. The way he lifts us up is that we pl properly orient our lives toward who he is and where he's at. The way we praise him, the living the life the way it is what causes and what brings about ultimate intimacy and what removes uh, falsehood from our lives and the falsehood of, of fear, the falsehood of doubt and the falsehood and the falsehood of shame and, and disgrace is removed. We are not failures. We are not lost. We are not destroyed. We are not cast out. We are not cast down because we are his. And knowing that, making sure that's a regular part of who you are is important. It's of the ultimate importance. It's the fundamentals of the faith. It's a fundamental of the faith. God is God of all, and he's our God. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.